So if you're visiting or new here, I feel like I should give a disclaimer about the cell phone. I am recording the audio to put out later because our um, internet service is what is available in Spartansburg, Pennsylvania. <laughs> so it, sometimes it cuts out. Sometimes it cuts out a lot. Sometimes it works perfectly. It's really just kind of a however it happened that day. But I do record the audio on my phone. So right after the sermon, if you see me up here typing things with my thumb, I'm not texting anyone. I'm just posting the audio for people that weren't able to be here today. Um, hopefully that's somehow better than just sitting up here texting people. But you'll have to determine how much that bothers you, I suppose, is how that's going to work. All right. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? And that is from Luke 17, 17. So um, did I remember to say good morning yet? Good morning. Oh, it's good to see you. So good to see you. Um, I just got back, and I almost made that into a terrible joke, um, from ACA yesterday, and Dylan went with me, and Rob, and uh, Marlene and Terry went out, and I had a lovely time. And I really enjoy going to Ohio conference events. Um, I'll have things to talk about from that, hopefully next week, because Marlene and Terry are related to everyone, I think. Um, they got a chance to spend time with Terry's cousin, and they stayed an extra day. So they're not with us this morning. So maybe next week we'll share some things from ACA. Um, but one of the big takeaways for me was I got to interact with a lot of pastors that are also Mennonite, which I don't get to do very often. Let's be honest. I don't get to do that. Um, and I got to talk to uh, a man that's been a pastor longer than I've been alive. And his name is uh, David. Uh, Te Te I'm going to mess it up. Tiharina. That's not how it's spelled, but that's how it's pronounced because he's uh, Hispanic. So I can't pronounce his name right. But David, Pastor David. And after having a great conversation with him, the next day, he comes up and he puts a piece of paper, handwritten Psalm 86, 11 and 12, puts it in my palm and says, I wrote this down yesterday. I thought it was for me, but it's for you. So I'm going to be using that as the benediction today instead of whatever I wrote down. So if you're one of the people that keeps track of what the benediction is, it's actually going to be from Psalm 86, verses 11 and 12. But that's the little backstory on why I'm not reading it right when we get to it. Um, and I got, a, I got an opportunity. Um, you may have noticed I like to pray for people. I got prayed for by one of the uh, regional pastors. Just he, I came in, he asked what was going on. He prayed for me, anointed me. It was amazing. Um, I've really felt the Holy Spirit working in my life yesterday, um, which was interesting because in many ways I did not get my own way. Yet uh, I saw God at work and uh, I just praise God for being bigger than me because I mess up a lot of things and God hasn't messed up anything yet that I'm aware of, nor do I plan on seeing anything that God has ever messed up. So that was a really long good morning, I know. I'm going to get into uh, Luke chapter 17, verses 11 
through 19, which is far fewer verses than I'm usually attacking. So it's a short snippet from Scripture, but it's very meaningful. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. I have heard, as I'm sure anyone who grew up in church has heard before, uh, sermons out of this passage. And there's a few different directions you can go. Since you know me, you know I'm probably going to go in all of those directions. Precisely at random. So I'm going to start with verse 11. Jesus is traveling in that area along the border between Samaria and Galilee. People from Samaria do not get along with people from Galilee because they're Jews. Jews don't get along with Samaritans because they are uh, not correct. They don't worship God correctly. They're, they're just wrong. They're wrong in every way. Some Jews even believe that Samaritans were no longer made in the image of God. They had been too corrupted which is pretty harsh, really. But in that area, there is a colony of lepers, it appears, where there's a group of lepers. Leprosy is awful, and uh, it's, it's a debilitating disease that causes your flesh to rot. It really affects your eyes and your nose and your ears because they have a tendency to fall out, fall off. Um, ironically enough, I think you can get leprosy from armadillos. That's a side note. That does not help you in this passage. I just learned that a couple of years ago and that blew my mind because armadillos look like something that would be fun to play with, but apparently they carry leprosy. So leave the armadillos alone. But um, leprosy is a very debilitating disease. It ruins your life. And because it's so contagious, if you have leprosy, you have to live outside the community. So it doesn't matter that you have a wife and six kids and a good job and are uh, important in the community. If you have leprosy, you now live in a cave outside of town and you hope that your family loves you enough to leave food outside of town for you. And whenever someone approaches, you yell at the top of your lungs by Jewish law, unclean, don't come near me. I'm unclean. You yell unclean so that no one accidentally comes in contact with you. It's like social distancing, but worse. You just have to be outside, away from everyone, and yell, unclean. And no one can be around you. And you can't get close enough to people to have a genuine conversation. So there's a group of ten people that fit this description, one of which is a Samaritan. 
And something that I find really interesting about that is when people are outcasts, their petty differences get a little less meaningful. Because amongst these lepers, these Jewish lepers, a Samaritan is just with them because they're all lepers. At that point, they are all filth. And I find that to be interesting that he is right there in their midst because he, they would not have been hanging out together if they were healthy. So I'm intrigued by that first, that when we are broken, it's easier to ignore each other's differences. Now, that's a very moralistic point to pull from this, but I, I invite you to come with me. When you're able to see your brokenness, other people's problems seem less big. Right? Very moralistic. You could almost use that as a bedtime story, right? It doesn't mean it isn't true, though. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So, they apparently know who Jesus is. They know that he heals people. I just really enjoy their approach, is have pity on us. We're in a pitiable position. Will you please have pity on us? When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. And they went and they were cleansed. So the priests had an interesting job. Not only did they worship God for the people and they didn't just make sacrifices for sins for people, they also kind of act as his physicians at times. So if you had leprosy, the priest would pretty much confirm you had leprosy. If you were somehow healed of leprosy, the priest would confirm you were no longer leprous and you could go back to life. And Jesus simply tells them, go see the priests. And on their way, they're healed. Can you imagine being healed as you're walking down the road to do something you don't understand the point of? It's like my ear is falling off, but okay, I'll go see the priest. Right? It wasn't like they were spontaneously healed and then started going to see the priest. They just turned and started going to see the priest. And then they're healed as they're walking along. And I would love to know what that looks like. Because I have an image in my head of what that looks like. Are people regrowing parts? Somebody regenerating fingers and ears? Or aren't they that extreme yet? Or is their skin just clearing up? I would love to, I would love to see that. So as they're walking, they are cleansed. One of them notices this. And his first response isn't just to keep walking to the priest. Because I want you to be very honest with yourself. If you are a total outcast from society, but you do have a family and you do have a job, and you do have all of the normal things that we all have, but you haven't been able to be around your family for the last several months, and your whole life is on hold or on pause or is rotting away quicker than you are, and all of a sudden you realize, I can go see my wife. I can go kiss my kids. Are you really gonna turn around? And I want you to be as honest with yourself as possible. 
are you going to turn around and thank Jesus? Or are you going to sprint to the priest, get proclaimed clean, and go back to all of that stuff? I know that's it's almost a scenario off your radar. What are you really going to do? I judge these people when I read Scripture, and you judge them too. Where you're just like, wow, they're ungrateful. Yes, I am. Yes, I am ungrateful. Because they're just like me. Because people are people and they've always been people. The Bible is not inhabited by characters that came out of a poet's mind. The Bible is inhabited by people who act and behave as people like us. These ten lepers are like us. Whereas one of them did remember. And he ran back to Jesus because that became the priority for him. Not because he didn't have the same things everybody else had going on. We don't know for certain, but we know he had a life that he was being exiled from. And suddenly he can go back to it. All he has to do is see a priest, then he's, he's good. But he takes the time to go back and to worship God and to fall at Jesus' feet and to thank God because that became his priority. Oddly enough, I am sure, though, that if this was us, some of you would run back to Jesus. And that's what happened in Scripture. Some of you would, in fact, think, Jesus healed me, and you would go right back to him, and you would fall on your face, and you would say, thank you. And the rest of us would keep going to the priests, because we're not disobeying. That's what Jesus told us to do. Right? Did you notice that? They're not disobeying. They're doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. It's easy to judge him, though. I could rationalize that. Be like, well, Jesus told me to go to the priest. I'm going to the priest. Then I'm going back home. I'm going to see my wife. I'm going to see my kid. I'm going to go see the stupid horses. I'm going to play with my dog. That's where I would be. Sprinting to the priest. And then maybe send Jesus a little thank you card later. But you notice what Jesus says was the proper response. Well, why don't I read that? One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. He was a Samaritan. I love that they add that detail because that, in modern context, doesn't mean anything to us. He's a Samaritan. He's the one that does not like Jewish things, probably. He is the one that is unclean. He is the one that is unworthy of being a Jew who's just healed by a Jewish rabbi. He comes back praising God for God's complete and total mercy and throws himself at Jesus' feet. But he's the foreigner. He's the one that isn't included in the grace of God yet as the Jewish people see it. There's lessons in that. I'm going to gloss over them today, but there are many lessons in that. Because I don't know that God looks at people by uh, imaginary lines on the map. In fact, I'm inclined to believe he does not care where you are from. Because God looks at the condition of our hearts. I got to see my friend David, and I call him my friend. I've only met him like six times in my life. I love the guy. His name's David Hardgrave. He is like a six foot five African-American man who for some reason is also Mennonite. Man, that guy is a good time. 
He is fun. He is well-spoken. He gives glory to God. He loves Scripture. I enjoy him very much. But one of the things is when we're talking, and it comes up because it's funny to us, is I'm very white, and he is very African-American. Right? Guy's my brother, and I love him. I don't believe God has a preference between the two of us. But he's fun and he's entertaining. But it's easy for us as people to see differences because even in introducing my friend David, I felt the need to say his ethnicity. To me, it's funny, but at the same time, I felt the need to say his ethnicity. And it isn't because I don't love the man. It's just because it's one of his defining characteristics. I don't think God cares about our ethnicity at all. And even when I'm saying it is something that I consider to be maybe a positive thing, or an inconsequential thing like the color of someone's hair, I'm still feeling the need to bring it up. I don't think Jesus sees us in this way. Us all being made in the image of God. Us all being shaded by the exact same chemical in our skin. All having common ancestry. Which, if you think about it, should make our furthest ancestors middle brown because that would give variation for people to get darker and lighter. But I can't say that for certain. Also, it doesn't matter, not in the slightest. But I don't even think God cares about how much melanin you have. And I don't think God cares about who your family is. And I don't think God cares what imaginary line in the soil you were born on the other side of. I care. In ways, I care very much that I'm an American. I love this place. This place has been very good to me. And I voice that more than most people do, I think. I'm, I'm very patriotic with the understanding that Jesus doesn't love me one iota more than the kid playing in the dirt in Afghanistan. I am no more important to Christ than that kid or the kid in the jungle in Peru. I have absolutely zero amount, percentage, more value to Christ than those other people. I am blessed to be here. I am blessed to be here. You are blessed to be here. If I were Canadian, I would be blessed to be there. If I were Irish, I would be blessed to be there. There are some great places in this world. None of them show us God's favor, though. We used to sing the song, Jesus Loves the Little Children. I don't know why we stopped singing that. Maybe because of the colors, because no one's really yellow or red. I don't know, but it was such a beautiful song. It was such a beautiful sentiment that Jesus loves the little children of the world. It's funny to me that the older I get, the more the Sunday school songs seem to be the biggest truths I've learned in life are from Sunday school songs. I spend a lot of time reading theology and it keeps leading me back to, yeah, Jesus loves the little children. Love is something if you give it away. You guys remember that one? It's like a magic penny. Um, 
all these little Sunday school songs, the more intense I read theology, the more it keeps leading me back to these really simple truths that some lady with a felt board probably taught me when I was six. You remember the felt board. I feel bad for people under a certain age because they've never seen a felt board. They have no idea what I'm talking about. Somebody bring in a felt board. They need to know. VeggieTale videos are cute, but if you didn't learn scripture from a felt board, you missed something. Maybe I'll bring one in sometime, do the whole sermon with felt board characters. <laughs> Excellent. Jesus asks, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Well, they're where he sent them. Right? But where are the other nine? Did they not notice the regenerating ears and eyes and noses? And oh my goodness, this rash is gone. Do you don't think they noticed that? I was literally decaying and now I'm not. You had a pack of extras from The Walking Dead walking down the street and all of a sudden they start regenerating. They noticed, but only one of them was like, you know what my priority is? I'm going to go back and I'm going to thank Jesus and I'm going to thank him right now because this has changed everything. This is a new start. Because they're just like us. What has Christ done for you? I don't have enough time to tell you what Christ has done for me. I can sum summarize it. Christ has given me everything I don't deserve, which honestly is anything. I deserve nothing. I have everything that I never asked for. And I rarely think to thank God for all of it. Thanksgiving, of course. I remember on Thanksgiving. If I'm reading through the Psalms, I'll remember now and again. Short of that, I'm more concerned about the frustration of my blessings than I remember to thank God for my blessings. And I would almost guarantee you do the exact same thing as me. Scenario one, is that a rust spot on my second car? Right? Tell me you haven't thought about that. My wife's car has a rust spot on it. Which it doesn't, by the way. But if it did, these are just scenarios. Oh no, my finished basement is leaking. The price of broccoli really went up. These are, these are manifestations from my blessings. I complain about the inconvenience of my blessings. That is how ungrateful I am. And I would be willing to wager that you do it too. You know that perfectly healthy child of mine? Their attitude. You know what I mean? Boy, that gas I can still afford has gotten expensive. Yeah. 
That person I really love is upset that I was 15 minutes late. How dare they? It's ludicrous, isn't it? How much of our life do we spend just in absolute turmoil over the fact we're blessed? If we did not have the ability to buy the broccoli that got expensive, well, that would be a problem, wouldn't it? If we didn't have the vehicle to get to the job that we don't necessarily enjoy, that would be a problem. If I had a a debilitating disease, well, that would be a problem. You know, my biggest health issue is that I'm overnourished. That is my biggest health issue, is I've eaten too much good food. And it's not just good food. It's great food. I married into Sicilian Mennonites. That whole 20-minute abs thing went away. That's not even on the table anymore. And it's okay. Do you know how blessed we are? All of us, do you know how blessed we are? I read a statistic a few years ago, and I'm sure I've brought it up because I was amazed by it. If you have a roof over your head in two vehicles in any condition, you are in the richest 5% of the entire planet. If you have any roof over your head in two vehicles in any condition, you are in the richest 5% of the planet. Enjoy being blessed. We are so blessed. Who of us is actually hungry? We can fix that in a few minutes. There's fellowship lunch. Stay. Who of us has real needs? We all do, actually. We all still have real needs. We all still have that biggest need, which is we're lonely. We've been separated from God, just like everybody else. That's the biggest need we have. But we numb ourselves in all this turmoil about blessings that don't matter. The turmoil doesn't matter. The blessings are great. I'm not saying I want to be less blessed. That's not what I'm saying at all. Said I need to remember to thank God for my blessings and realize that my problems, my problems are the same as the poor people, really poor people's problems. Because I'm not rich. And I know some people that are below the poverty line, but I have not encountered an actual poor person since I left the third world. But my biggest problem and their biggest problem are the same thing. We have been separated from God. We need Jesus so much. And that problem doesn't get diminished just because I've been so materially blessed. It stayed the same. The untouchable kid in India, in the gutter, and me have the same basic need, whether we know it or not. Someone in abject poverty who knows Jesus and someone with a private jet who doesn't know Jesus, well, one of them's in trouble, and it's not the poor kid. One of them is far more blessed than the other, and it's not the guy with the private jet. In this upside-down kingdom of Jesus, it's really easy to get lost. But I want to be 
I want to be the guy who knows he was healed. I want to be the guy that runs back to Jesus and throws himself down at Jesus' feet and thanks God because I know that this was grace and I didn't do anything to deserve it. I want to be the guy that takes 10 minutes because I understand I haven't seen my family in six months and they're going to understand because they aren't expecting me back at all. And it's a minor thing to think about, isn't it? Because this is a scenario you're not going to run into. But I do lose lose my car keys a lot. And do I remember to thank Jesus when I find my car keys? Because honestly, sometimes that's a minor miracle. The building I work in is fairly large, and I just set things down and keep walking. Do I remember to thank God when my elderly relative pulls through an illness? Because I'm not sure if you knew this, when my great-grandmother was born, the life expectancy was 54. That was average life expectancy. She made 101. She almost doubled what her expected life expectancy was when she was born, in the year she was born. Right? Do we remember, though, how fragile human life is? And to thank God when grandma got sick and pulls through? Or when that baby gets sick and pulls through? Because the statistics for babies were really bad up until recently, too. And babies get sick all the time. There's diseases that only exist for babies. Do we remember to thank God for the health of the children? And the miracle in modern medicine. It's also a giant company and there's evil things about it. But think about the miracles involved in in modern medicine. Do we think to thank God for the fact that someone decided that mold could help you? Have you ever thought about penicillin, really? It's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling that someone has created people to think so far outside of the box that they're coming up with cures that don't even make logical sense. Do we remember to thank God for these little, little things? No, we don't. I get mad about my copay. And you do too. Why is my copay $8? Because you can live. Right? Which is also stems from my biggest health issue being that I'm overnourished. So I have high blood pressure. And I get mad about my copays. And if you have blood pressure medicine, you get mad about your copays too. It's not because I'm worse than you. I'm just being honest right now. I complain about my blessings. My biggest takeaway from this story is to remember to thank Jesus. And maybe when nobody's looking and it's not a show, maybe actually throw myself down on my face and thank God for everything that he has done for me because I deserve absolutely none of it. None of it. At one point in my life, I tried very hard to reject the very existence of this God who refuses to stop blessing me. I wanted to be left alone. And God did not respect my opinion. And I thank him for that. I did not deserve any of this. Whether you believe people are born good, which they're not, or born bad, which they are. 
I wanted to be bad. I wanted to be left alone. God did not respect my opinion, and God has blessed me and blessed me again, and my cup runneth over, and so does the saucer and the table, and it's pouring out all over the place. And the very least I can do is throw myself down and say, thank you, Jesus, because I don't deserve any of this. I'm a broken and sick and twisted human being, and you just keep blessing me and healing me and just pouring it on. Can anyone else relate to that? Is it just me? Am I the only broken one? I'm not. I'm broken and you're broken. Sweet baby Ray's broken, but we haven't figured out how yet. And we're all broken. Because we all have that missing piece in us, and that's that we've been separated from Jesus. We've been separated from the Father. And we get good about wearing masks, and we get good about covering up what our issues are. But there's two things we need to realize is that I'm broken, and you're broken, and you're broken, and we're all broken. We're broken. We are broken. None of us are righteous. None of us are good. We're all broken. But what's more important than that is that for some reason when Jesus looked at us, he felt we were worth redeeming. And you will never look into the eyes of someone that Jesus wasn't willing to die for. And you should view them as such. They have incredible value. In their imperfection, they have incredible value that we can't even fathom. Well, those are a few things to think about. (laughs) Anyway, if you can do so without pain, please stand with me.